my goodness, Lord, to something exciting and powerful that we can just turn to one another and speak words and the God of the universe is listening, blessing, touching. This prayer thing is amazing. We just thank you for it, praise you for it. Like to learn more about it, teach us to pray, Lord. We love you. It's in Christ's name. Amen. All right, thanks. You can be seated. Okay, so Nancy had a house full of guests, and for the life of her, she couldn't imagine why she did it. It was July 5th. It was about 104 degrees in the shade. Uh, Nothing was going right, this huge picnic she put together. She finally got everybody together, and she asked her seven-year-old daughter, Becky, to pray. Becky said no. In front of everybody, embarrassed her. She said, Becky, uh, Mommy really wants you to pray. Becky said, I don't know how to pray. Now she's really embarrassed. She said, Becky, you hear Mommy pray all the time, don't you? And she said, yes. That made her feel a little better. And she said, well, just pray the last thing you heard Mommy pray. She said, okay. Everybody bowed their heads. Becky said, oh, dear God, why did I invite all these stupid people today? Please help me get through this miserable afternoon. Amen. (laughs) In Luke chapter 11, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, teach us to pray. It's the model prayer. In fact, we did a whole sermon series on it once, and I was going to do it again, but Angie said no. She said, you've done it twice, you're not doing it again. Angie said no. But in, also in chapter 11, I've been in that for the last couple of weeks, uh, Jesus told a parable about persistent prayer. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I know I said last week that we weren't going to talk about persistent prayer because I did it once, and you never forget one of my sermons, but I looked it up in 14 years. I forget that sermon. So we're going to look at that again today. It's powerful stuff. I'm going to read it first. I forgot to tell you guys I'm doing that right off the bat. So if you could throw that up here, it's Luke chapter 11, verse 5. Jesus said, suppose one of you had a friend, and he goes to him at midnight, and he says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you that though he won't give up and give him bread because he's his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he'll get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And anyone who seeks, find. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Isn't that a powerful passage of Scripture? You know, I was thinking last week when I was looking over this, if there was ever a church on the planet that should believe in the power of prayer, it's South Union Christian Church. Amen? I mean, we've seen God do some amazing things out here. And not just in growth, but growth for sure. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine at my mom's celebration a couple weeks ago. I hadn't seen him for 40 years, and he's wanting to know all about the church. And I said, we had one Sunday here on 4th of July. We had six people over there, and he couldn't believe it. And I said, yeah, God has just grown. This has been amazing. We started to grow a little bit, and we asked God if he could send us some workers. And, uh, you know, my first Sunday we had three men, and only two of those were regulars. Today we got elders and deacons. We got musicians. We had teachers and leaders. We got a whole church full of talented women who are really running the show, amen? We got volunteers in the worship group. We've got volunteers in the children's ministry and the women's ministry and the building ministry and the first impressions and on and on and on it goes. God has really blessed us. 
And then we said, Lord, uh, we're kind of landlocked. You know, uh, we don't have any place to grow. Could you do something about that? And two weeks later, the stone quarry who said, don't ever call us again, contacted us. Here we are on five acres. We said, Lord, we don't want to push our luck, but, you know, now that Eric Gilpin is going to go into the public school system, we have an opportunity to get a real youth minister, I mean a full-time youth minister. Could you please send us somebody who's young and energetic, has a beautiful wife? And we got Leanne Jackson. We prayed and got Angie. We prayed and got Christy. We prayed and got Lori. We prayed and got Jackie and Mark and Jake and on and on. God's just done some amazing things out here. We said, Lord, we really don't want to make you mad and just push our luck more, but we want to make disciples who make disciples. Could you give us some place to do that? He said, 83 acres enough? Will that be enough? But it's just been crazy to watch him work out here. And not just the growth, because growth comes and goes, as you can tell. But as we've grown, we've seen prayer after prayer after prayer answered on our prayer list weekly. We've seen cancer disappear in this church. We've seen marriages put back together. Not all of them. But some of them, it's been mighty. And I think one of the reasons that's going on here is we have some mighty, prayer, powerful prayer animals in this church, and they pray all the time. But you know, we never learned enough. Andrew Murray said nobody ever graduates from the school of prayer. And so all of us on many occasions ought to come to Jesus and say, Lord, please teach us how to pray. Uh, there was a Newsweek magazine survey done not too long ago, and they asked, regular church attenders, what's the thing they like to hear about most from the pulpit? Overwhelmingly, it was prayer, which I think is cool. And this section is full of things that if you look at and think about will help move us to the next level in our prayer life. Wouldn't you like to be to the next level in your prayer life? Me too. So let's walk through this. Here's the first thing I want us to see from this section. Prayer begins with an honest admission of need. I mean, it starts with, you've got to go to God and say, I can't do this on my own. I need some me. That's what happened here. This guy's got a problem. He goes to his neighbor. He said, I've got a friend coming over. He's on a journey. He needs a place to stay. He needs something to eat. Evidently, it was, I don't know, Friday before payday or a week before payday. The guy doesn't have anything in his house. He doesn't have any bologna. doesn't have any crackers and cheese. doesn't have any popcorn. He goes to his friend and said, I, got, I can't handle this. I need some help here. This is humbling to be caught like this empty-handed. I don't know. I think fact is one of the reasons why some people have problems with prayer is this, having to say they got a need. I, I know that's the problem why proud people have a problem with prayer. They don't want to tell God they've got a problem. They, they need some help. I think that's why some of us men have problems with prayer because we think we can do it all, right? You want a good example? How about before GPS, gentlemen, on your cell phone? Did you ever stop for directions? Uh, my, mom, I, my mom and my wife and my kids, I can't tell you how many times Angie has said, hey, just pull into the Dairy Queen and ask them. Just pull into the filling station and get directions. No, I'm not doing that. Are you crazy? One time, uh, Angie and Aaron, they were dating, and they came up from uh, college. And, huh? oh, Ashley and Aaron. <laughs> what did I say? Now, that's never happened. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> I, it might be over. I don't know. So anyway, they come up. They're, they're dating, and they're going up to Avon, to Kingsway, for some kind of thing. I don't know what it is. And I told Aaron how to get there. I made him a little map. No GPS yet. They get about a half mile from the church. It's in Avon. And he made the wrong turn. She starts in on him. Stop and get directions. No, no, no. They went to Brownsburg. They went to Morrisville. They, went to, they could have been to Chicago and back. You know what I mean? But he wouldn't stop. Why do we do that? 
Well, I think a couple of reasons. Number one, we're always in a hurry, and we, you know, we got to get there, and we got to figure it out. But number two, it's pride. I mean, we're not going to pull in a filling station and say, hey, man, I'm so stupid, I can't even read a map. I can tell by looking you're smarter than I'll ever be. Could you tell me? Any? We're not going to do that. And I'm telling you, uh, this prayer thing is just like that. It begins with our admission to God that we have a need we can't take care of on our own. And I just think it's hard for us these days in a self-sufficient society. I mean, let me ask you this. If somebody came into a room at your house and caught you on your knees praying, if you do that kind of thing, would that embarrass you? Would you say, oh, I lost a contact? Well, Dad, you don't wear contacts. I know, but I might. I mean, I don't. Would you do that? Because I can tell you somebody, when I was a kid growing up, didn't mind being caught on their knees praying. That was my mommy. I caught my mommy lots of times on her knees praying. I know why now. She's praying for the girls. They were a mess. You know what I'm talking about. But prayer begins with this humble admission before God that I got a need. Help me, help me, help me, like we talked about last week. Kay Arthur says in one of her books on prayer that one of the keys to making prayer more effective in our lives is just plead the promises of God. Isn't that cool? Just plead the promises. Listen, if you're not praying God's will, you're wasting your time anyway. But you know, uh, God's will can be clearly found if you just read the Word. And when you start getting in the Word of God, you'll find some promises in there that He's made. You just ask Him for them. He made them anyway. We, we talked about one last week, wisdom. You know, there's a lot of gray areas in my life right now, Lord. I mean, should I move? Should I take this job? Should I marry this person? Should I, you know, should I buy this house? I mean, you said, Lord, right in your word that if we pray and ask for wisdom, you'd give without finding fault. You can ask him. It's a promise. You could ask him for patience. Now, I've warned you before, don't ask him to teach you patience. Last time I asked him to teach me patience, I got Ashley. You know what I'm talking about? So you got to be very careful. Just say, Lord, I need patience. People are sucking the life out of me right now. Everywhere I go, I mean, I need some patience. You said right here in the Word, Lord, in this passage of Scripture, that if, you, if I prayed and asked you, you'd fill me with the Holy Spirit. I'm asking Give me patience this week as I deal with these people. Lord, I need forgiveness. You know, I'm, I'm out of bounds in some places in my life. And you said right here in your word that if, if I ask and confess, you're faithful and forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. So we plead the promises of God, and what we're actually doing is asking for things he's already promised to give us. Abraham Lincoln once said, I've been driven on my knees many times by the overwhelming conviction I have no place else to go. And I could. So it starts with this admission that you've got a need. And the second principle is this. It, it's based on the assumption that you already have a friendship with God. Am I right? The passage said he went to a friend of his. If I had an emergency tonight, I mean, I know my sister lives right on to the, next to me. She's my neighbor. But let's say they were gone. I wouldn't have any problem going to Harry Tinsley. He's my neighbor on the other side. If I had an emergency, him and I are friends. But I also have some neighbors at the end of my driveway on either side of me, lived there 30 years, I've probably not spoke 12 times to. And it wouldn't do me good tonight to show up at their house at 2 in the morning and say, hey, I got some people coming in out of town tomorrow, can I have a box of Cocoa Puffs? I mean, I don't think that'd work out very good. No, you go to a friend, the passage says. And if we're going to have prayers that are effective, we've got to maintain some kind of friendship with God. James says the effective prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And the idea is you have this friendship with God, this connection with God, and you're also doing what God told you to do. It's trust and obey. It's both things here. See, if you're living outside of God's will and you start praying, what do you think that's going to do to your prayer life? Well, say you rob a bank next week. You jump in a getaway car and traffic's terrible. Please, Lord, I got to get out of here and move traffic. I mean, that's crazy. Let's say you're sleeping around. 
Lord, please, I, keep me from getting pregnant or, or from getting some kind of disease. In John chapter 9, verse 31, the blind man said it best. He said, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but to godly men who do his will. And if you and I want our prayers to be effective, we need to maintain a relationship with God, one where we're doing what he told us to do. Somebody once said that whoever decides to pray, really pray, must seize the hand of God and not just the pennies in his hand. How good do you see the difference? God's not the divine genie of the lamp. He's not some heavenly vending machine where we just cry out what we want. He gives it and we go about our business. No, he wants us to do life with him, walk through life holding his hand and being obedient to him. And if we do that, man, our prayers. Here's the third thing I want us to see from the story. Sometimes prayer is just going to be frustrating. I mean, it just is. I mean, this guy had a very legitimate, simple request, and his neighbor said, no, I'm not going to do it. And that had to be frustrating. Now, I think it helps to understand here if we remember how people slept back in Jesus' day. You remember? You had a one-room house, and on this side of the house, the family slept, and on the other side of the house, you brought in all your little animals, you know, chickens and, I don't know, ducks maybe, and your, your little goats and your, your little calves and your dog. Nobody had cats back then. They were smart people. But all little animals, you'd bring them in because, see, if you didn't bring them in, they'd either get stolen or eaten by wild animals. And if you happened to be really lucky, you had a two-story house, the family slept upstairs, and all the animals slept downstairs. And listen, people went to bed back then. They didn't stay up all hours of the night. You know, I looked this up last week. I stopped and looked this up. You know that 3.6 million people watch The Late Show every night? Never mind Jimmy Kimmel Live or The Tonight Show. That's just a late show. 3.6 million people. They didn't do that in Jesus' day. There was no desperate housewives, no reruns of home improvement. People went to bed early. Normally, after a hard day's work, there's nothing else to do. Can you imagine? You finally got the animals in bed. The critters are finally calm and quiet. You finally got the kids asleep, and you're in bed, and somebody knocks on the door two hours later and wants a biscuit? Get out of here, man. I'm not going to get up. The chickens will cluck. The dog will bark. The kids will want something to drink. My wife will kill us both. Get out of here. You're not getting anything. This had to frustrate this guy. Hearing no is frustrating. Have you ever heard no? Did I ever tell you about... <clears throat> Crawdad running over the family dog. He was telling me a story last week. It's pretty sad. It happened about a year ago. I guess he jumped on the tractor and he backed over the family dog and he got out and looked. It was a mess. But while he was looking, there was this bottle, this big bottle, a fancy looking bottle next to the dog. Picked it up, took the lid off, and a genie came out. And he was just shocked. And the genie said, Well, you know how this works. I'm so glad to get out of here. I'll just give you any wish. You have one wish. And uh, Crawdad said, That's easy. I want you to fix my dog. So the genie went over and looked. The dog came back and said, sorry, man, <laughs> that dog's too much of a mess. Is there anything else I can do for you? And Carl Dad said, well, I've always wanted to, to be as good-looking and as intelligent as this guy. And he had a picture of me. It's weird. He carries a picture. <laughs> and so, so the genie looks at my picture and he looks at Carl Dad, looks at my picture and looks at Carl Dad. He says, let's go have another look at that dog. So, <laughs> sometimes the answer is no. You know what I'm talking about? Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 2 says, How long will I cry, O Lord, and you not hear me? Sometimes we pray and pray and pray, and the answer is no, and it's frustrating. You know, I've had people tell me, every time I pray and ask God for something, he gives it to me. Every time. Oh, man, that's really cool, but that's not been my experience. My dad got cancer. He was not much older than me. In the prime of his preaching career, I said, Lord, this can't be right. Please, no. 
My dad died of cancer. People do. They die of cancer all the time. Several years later, her dad got cancer. Please, Lord, we don't want to go through this again. He died of cancer. I prayed for a lot of marriages in this church. They're not married anymore. I've asked God for a lot of things personally. He said no to. It's frustrating when that happens. Think of all the characters in the Bible that prayed and got a no. Abraham begged God to spare Sodom and Gomorrah. He burnt that place to the ground. Moses asked God one more time if he could go to the promised land. God said no and don't ask me again. David prayed for a week in sackcloth and ashes that his son would survive. His son died. Paul prayed three times. Most commentaries said three seasons of prayer for the thorn in the flesh to be removed. And God said, no, you're going to live with that the rest of your life. But my grace is sufficient. Jesus said, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup be taken from me. But he drank the cup. He went to the cross. Sometimes the answer is no. It's frustrating. Now, God says no for several reasons. I think the first one is plain and simple. Sometimes we're just asking for the wrong thing. In this section, Jesus said, if your son asks you for a, a, a fish, would you give him a snake? I mean, let's say uh, Griffey asked Scott. Griffey would be four here shortly. He asked Scott for a boa constrictor. He loves dinosaurs and stuff like that. I'd like to have a 15, 20-foot snake to sleep with at night. Scott's going to say no. I mean, depending on the week, he's probably going to say no. What if, uh, what if Acton came up to Aaron at Christmas and said, Dad, I'd just love to have an assault rifle. I'm eight years old. I can handle that. How about Nathan comes to Adam? I got a cell phone now, Dad. This is cool. Hey, I, there's a porno site I can get for $9.95 the first month. Can I sign up? No. Are you kidding me? We want to give good gifts to our kids. Kids that are good, gifts that are good for them. It's the same thing with God. And sometimes you and I are asking for things that we think are good, but God knows they're not good for us. Cam Huxford says God answers our prayer in four ways. Yes, no, slow, or you have got to be kidding me. Sometimes he just says no, it's the wrong thing. And sometimes it's the right thing, but we're asking for the wrong motives. Motives are terrific, a, a tricky thing. James chapter 4, verse 3 says, when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motive that you can spend what you get on your own pleasures. I said, Lord, I can't believe I'm going to get to preach. I want to preach so bad, but Lord, I want to preach in a big church. Now I want you out in a little white church out in the middle of nowhere. I remember that. Lord, I, I want to just use my gifts, my talents to sing for you. I'd like to cut an album and be on the Christian music. Said, no, I'd like you out. I got a little church. I need, I need you out there. It's tricky. You're at a basketball game and your son's playing and it's the end of the game. You're up by 20 points. The game's over. Your kid's up at the free throw line. You say, Lord, please let him hit this free throw. It doesn't make any difference anyway, Lord. Just let him hit it. He takes the free throw, air ball in the whole stadium. Air ball, air ball. The kid's devastated. And you say, God, what's the matter with you? That was such a small request. Why couldn't you do that? God says, why'd you ask? Did you want everybody to see how good your boy was? They hit a free throw. I mean, did you do it because you don't want him to ever feel bad that he always wins? It's tricky. God, if I just hit the lottery, I, I'm, I'm going to give half of it to the church. What are you going to do with the other half? See, sometimes we're asking for the right thing. We're just asking with the wrong reason. And then the third reason God says no to our prayers, sometimes we ask with the wrong timing. We're asking for the right thing. We're asking with the right motive. It's just not time. But we can't handle that, man. We're so, we got to go today. You know what I'm saying? Do you know that my wife made me date her for three and a half months before she'd marry me? I had to date her March, April, May before she'd say yes to that. I mean, I'm in a hurry. We got to go. You know what I mean? We're the same thing with God. 
instant coffee, instant messages. We've got to have everything right now. And sometimes God's saying that's a good request and it's a good reason, but not now. Now, a good example of that is Joseph in the Old Testament when he said no to Potiphar's wife and she had him thrown in prison. He's saying, God, get me out of here. Do you, know, do you remember how long he was in prison? Two years. Some of us can't wait two days when we're praying to God. Two years. He's saying, God, I did the right thing here. I want out of here. But the whole time he's in prison, God's working behind the scenes. And when he got out, he was number two man of Egypt. Married this beautiful woman. Got to bring his whole family home. It's God's timing. We got to put up with God's timing. Fourth principle, real quick. We got to see this morning is effective prayer requires persistence and boldness. Do you know what the difference is between a booger and broccoli? Your kids eat a booger. You know what I mean? You know what the difference is between... I was going to judge this service whether I'm going to use that next service. Yeah, I'm going to use it. Anyway, uh, (laughs) you know the difference between persistent prayer and non-committal prayer is God listens to persistent prayer. This guy was bold and persistent. He kept knocking. He kept pounding on the door. And Jesus says in the same way, men ought to pray and not give up. Luke chapter 18. You got to go. You got to be bold. You got to be persistent. And the idea behind this parable is not to compare God to a grouchy neighbor to just keep, keep asking and keep asking. It's just the opposite. If a grouchy neighbor will finally give in, if an evil father will finally give good things, how much more will your heavenly Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to you if you ask Him? But you got to ask. In fact, in the Greek, all three of those phrases is a continual. You got to keep asking, you got to keep praying. <laughs> you got to keep seeking and knocking. And then you got to be bold. Listen, you and I are not going to a neighbor at 2 o'clock in the morning. We're going to the God of the universe who happens to be our Father, who wants to hear from us. Of course, the last thing, the biggest principle of all is that this kind of prayer is very productive, eventually, in God's time and God's way. God always does the right thing at just the right time. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. It didn't say all things work good. All things work to the good eventually. Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. It wasn't possible. He had to break His body and shed His blood. And aren't we glad that He did what He was told? Aren't we glad that He trusted and obeyed? See, when you trust and obey, remember the old song, trust and obey, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Trust and obey. You come with your prayers. You come knowing that God knows what's best. He knows what your motives are. So don't try to fool him. And and he knows just the perfect time. So we're going to do that this morning. We're going to come to him with our prayers and petitions recognizing the broken body and the shed blood of our Savior who showed us how to do this. Thanking Him for the example, not only of life and of prayer, but uh, of a marvelous Savior. Bring your prayers to Him this morning. There's lots of room.